0: Well, welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so grateful that you're here. Whether you're joining us in person or joining us online, we're grateful to have you, and I hope and prayers that this will become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus, and if you are new, this isn't my typical voice. Uh, I am losing it. We've been sick all week, and uh, and we recovered now, but my voice is almost completely gone, which is ironic based on what we're going to be talking about today, uh, as you'll hear in a minute. Hey, I want to let you know about something that's happening on December third. Uh, it's a, um, a a class um, or, or an event that we have called "Surviving the Holidays," uh, and the focus of this is the, to to provide a space where people can come and find community, comfort, and some tools as they walk through a season of grieving loss. Uh, So if you've lost somebody in the last year, um, or maybe you've lost somebody years ago, uh, but every holiday season it's tough for you, I would encourage you to come to this. Uh, I, I've been praying for us to do something like this for a few years now, and uh, we've had some leaders step up and say, hey, we wanna help be a part of this. And uh, so I can't wait to see how God's gonna use us to bring some healing in some people's lives. So if you're interested, uh, you can scan the QR code. You can go to our website, frontrange.org. You can go to the app. There's all kinds of ways you can get there, uh, but register. Uh, don't allow this opportunity to go by without uh, maybe God trying to do something in, in your heart and in your life. A uh, second thing that I wanna do uh, is, Uh, we do this three times a year. We do a survey uh, with everybody in our church. Uh, So go ahead and get out your phones now and scan the QR code. If you're like, I don't know how to scan a QR code, it's cool. Website is up there. Uh, Or you can scan the uh, QR code on your worship guide as well. Get there that way. Um, we, We ask everybody to do this. So go ahead and get out your phone. Please do this with us. And here's why. This is our way of going, how do we best help you? How do we best serve you and help you in your spiritual walk and your faith journey and all of that? And so once you scan that, it's going to come up to this page. I'll walk you through it. And it's going to ask for your name then it's going to ask for your email address. Uh, Then it says in the last four months. So think about the last four months uh, in your your spiritual journey. Um, Have you read the Bible more than the previous four months? If not, don't check it. It's all good. Uh, at Number two is utilize the message series hubs to grow in my faith. Uh, we talk about those every single week. We have these series hubs to help you go deeper, to help you get more resources, all of that. So, if you're wanting to grow in your faith, that's a great place. If you've accessed those at all, check that box. Engage in community that's groups, classes, men's or women's events, next step. If you've gone to any of that, uh, then check that box. Uh, we try to have classes and groups all the time. Uh, We just did a class on uh, parenting with mental health in mind. Uh, We're doing that class that I just talked about with the grieving piece. We do groups all the time, all of that. If you've done any of that, check that box. Uh, Next one, taking a step in your generosity. Uh, We talk about how there's four levels of generosity. So if you're like, man, I've taken a step in my generosity, check that box. Uh, Served in an area of the church. If you've served in any capacity, uh, then check that box. Hey, and if you're interested in serving, uh, there's a, a, a question right underneath that that talks about, hey, do you want more information on serving? Check that and we'll get back to you. Also, we've got uh, mission trips coming up. Uh, we're gonna do four mission trips next year. We're gonna do a mission trip um, information night on the 3rd. So you can get that information on the website, go to the events page, all of that. Taking a step in my prayer life, we've given you some different ways that we've offered to, uh, to the church. So uh, have you engaged in any of those? And then none of the above. If you're like, it's none of the above, that's fine, man. Just check it, be honest with where you're at uh, because that helps us know how to engage you um, and and how to help people grow. If you want more information on serving, check that. Then how would you rate yourself and your spiritual growth over the last four months? One would be like, man, I've done nothing. Uh, And that's not for any of you. None of you should check one because you're here. So you've done something. So don't give yourself the lowest rating because that's not true. Uh, 10 would be like, man, you're Jesus. You know, you're walking on water right now. And if that's you, that's awesome. Um, that's probably not where I put myself. Uh, and then how can we be praying for you? And you like more information on once you do that, submit it based on looking, and nobody's doing anything. Maybe most of you have submitted it, or you're doing nothing, which you'll get an email about later. Uh, so uh, this is just our way of serving you, of going, How do we best help you to grow in your faith? Hey, today, um. It's one of those uh, where man, I've been praying for for like two months. I've been praying for this message, for this moment, uh, and for you specifically for the last two months. Uh, I, I believe that God's going to move in a powerful way. I don't know why you came to church today. I don't know what's going on in your life right now. Some of you, you're, man, things are going great. Others of you, there's some struggles going on. Here's what I know that God wants to meet you right now. So my prayer is that we would put out away all distractions and we would say, God, whatever you have for me in this moment, I wanna receive that, so let's pray. Father, we come before you, and I just pray, God, that you would just show up. Father, that you would do something miraculous in our lives. Father, you know each one of us. You know our names, you know our stories, you know where we're at. God, you know those of us who are in need of something today, those of us who may be in need but don't know it yet. God, I pray, Father, that you would just reveal to us what you have for us. That, God, you would speak loudly into each of our lives and that, God, we would take action today. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so I've got a bunch of food up here. Uh, Maybe, I don't know if you can see all that well, but uh, I've I've kind of split them up into two sides, right? So you've got the unhealthy side, which is like a Diet Coke, uh, which if you drink that, that's nasty. Uh, A cheeseburger. Where's this cheeseburger from? McDonald's. Yeah, of course. You know the wrapper, you know the arches, you got everything. Then you got a baby Ruth, you know, Uh, you got that. Then you got the healthy side. You've got these uh, little rice cake things, which are actually pretty tasty. I kind of like them, but kind of weird when you're eating them around other people because they're looking at you funny. And you got apple, which I don't really eat because I don't eat fruits or vegetables. Um, And so when you look at both of these two sides, like do you, by show of hands, how many of you tend to, to lean toward the unhealthy side? when it comes to eating stuff. Yeah, okay, most of us are being honest right now. I definitely lean that way. Even though I know healthy is better for me, I definitely lean unhealthy, but what if I told you this? What if I said, if you eat any of these unhealthy foods that we know are unhealthy, if you eat any of them, then you're gonna lose 20 years of your life, you're gonna have diabetes, you're gonna end up on your deathbed not being able to move because of some illness. Would you eat it? No, not one of us would. Right, like If I could guarantee you if you ate the unhealthy that that's how you would end your life, none of us would do it, but you can't guarantee that. Right? I can't guarantee you if you ate something or didn't eat something that you would end up in a certain way, but what I can guarantee you is this. Based on what you do or don't do today and every day moving forward will determine your spiritual health for today and tomorrow and the rest of your life. And based on what you do or don't do now, will dictate how healthy you are spiritually moving forward. I can't guarantee you that. It's exactly what James is talking about in the, the last week of our series. Right now, we're, in a, uh, we're finishing up a series on the book of James, one of my favorite books of the Bible. So many of you have said, man, Ernest, this, message, uh, this series has been so powerful. And I think that's true because James just speaks to all of us. James just, he knows what we're dealing with, he knows what we're going through, and so he's speaking to Christians all over the world, obviously in that time period, but even for us today, he's speaking to us, and what are we to do? And the question that he's asking and answering today, (coughs) excuse me, is how do we be healthy spiritually? Like, how do we have health in our spiritual life? Now, if you have your Bibles, turn to to James chapter five. If you don't have the Bibles, no worries. It's gonna be up on the screen. We'd love to get you a Bible. You can, as you're walking back to your car, there's a blue connections tent. Just stop there and say, hey, dude said I can have a Bible. We'll get you a Bible. We don't need your name, your money, nothing. We just wanna make sure everybody has God's word and you can access it. Uh, So James chapter five, last week, James gave us four steps in how to be humble. This week, he's going to give us three steps in how you and I are to have a healthy spiritual life. And the first step seems a little weird, but the first step is endure with one another. He says to be healthy spiritually, you have to endure with one another. Look at James chapter five, verse seven. It says, be patient then, brothers and sisters. And so the Lord's coming, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. So he uses that word patient a couple of times. Now by show of hands, how many of you struggle with patience? Anybody gonna be honest with this? Yeah, every dude's hand should be up in this room, right? Like most of us guys struggle with patience. I mean, we live in a society that doesn't teach us patience. We want everything right now. It's an instant satisfaction society that we live in. I mean, if you want quick food, you just pop it in the microwave, right? We, we do all, most of our orders of, of things online. I mean, remember the days, some of you won't because you're too young, but I'm an old guy. So you remember those days where you would order something online and you would have to wait like two weeks? Y'all remember those days? Like the other day I ordered something and I saw the shipping date was like a week away. And I'm like, where's Amazon? Where's Prime? Like, what is wrong with these people? They can't get it together, you know? Like, we, we want instant satisfaction right now. Sarah and I, a few years ago, we were in Europe, and we were looking at, like, these cathedrals. And one of the things that fascinates me about cathedrals in, in Europe is that most cathedrals took them 300 to 400 years to build. Think about that. I think about if I came to you and I was like, hey, guys, we're going to start this generosity initiative. It's called For the Church, For the City. Um, And uh, I'd like you uh, to be able to give to a new church building. It's about we need to to raise at least $4 million. And here's the good part. If we raise that money, then your great, 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 great grandchild will get to access the building. (laughs) Would you give to that? No. I mean, we got people right now that are like, hey, we saw broke ground. Are we going to be in next week? I'm like, We got to have patience, man, right? Like we just don't have patience in our society. It's not something that's been taught to us. And James is saying here, you have to be patient. Now, what James is not saying is that you need to be patient with your food, cooking, or with ordering things online. What James is saying is that you need to be patient with suffering. What he's actually talking about here is be patient and suffering. That's even harder than being patient with our food or our orders. I mean, for us, most of the time when, when we have pain in our lives, we just want a little Band-Aid, right? Just give me a Band-Aid, cover it up, let's just move on. But James says that's not how you're to be healthy spiritually. If you want to be healthy spiritually, you have to endure with one another. You have to be patient in suffering. How do we do that? Look at verse 10. He says, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. James says, hey, if you want to know how to, how to endure with others, you got to do two things. One, you got to look at others. You got to look at others. Here he says, look at other, the other prophets, the other people in scripture. He says, look at what they've gone through. Anything that you've gone through, they've probably gone through it. And they've dealt with it. And they've come out on the other side. So take their example. But not only that, I think we're also called to look around at others here in our church. Like there are many of us in our church that, man, you've been through some things. Like you've walked through stuff. Each time somebody comes to me and they say, hey, Ernest, I'm walking through divorce or I'm going through bankruptcy or I'm walking through this porn addiction or whatever," whatever. I immediately think of who in our church has walked through that same thing. And what I want to do is I want to pair them up. Because I want that person to have hope, right? Like if you know somebody else has walked through the same thing that you're walking through right now, when you're in the midst of that storm, you think, man, there's no way out. I'm never gonna get out of this. I'm never gonna be free of this. I'm never gonna, whatever it is. And you need somebody else to be able to walk with you to go, I got you. I've been there. I've been through that. At last service, I had a guy come up to me right after the service and he said, Hey, me and my wife, um, uh, we've walked through some, some porn addictions, and uh, we're a few years out of that now, and, and we're really healthy, and our marriage is thriving and all of that, but my wife understands what it's like to feel betrayed and to be used, and I know what it's like to feel like I have, man, I'm just addicted to something, so if we can help, we want to be a part of that. Like, that's the church. Like, that's how we should be. And so James says, hey, when you're walking through something, the way that you endure with patience, the way you walk through suffering and patience is you got to look at other people. You got to be like, hey, they went through it. Hey, they made it out. Hey, they're better on the other side. Whatever it may be, you got to look around. You got to look at either the prophets, you got to look in scripture, or you look at others in the church and you go, okay, if those people made it through, maybe I can make it through as well. So James says, you got to look at others. And the next thing he says is, look at verse 13. He says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them. What's James saying? James is saying, hey, not only do you need to look at other people and like see how other people have walked through this and managed these things and gone through these hardships and all of that, but you have to be honest with what you're going through. Is anyone in trouble? Pray. Has anyone got great things going on? Praise God. Is anyone sick? Call the elders and have them pray over you. James is saying, you got to share. And like, we're real good at sharing like our positive things happening in our life. You know, our Instagram and Facebook, we tell everybody the highlights of everything that's happening. And what we don't do is we're not real honest about, man, my marriage really is struggling right now. Or my relationship with my kids, like I don't even know what to do. Like I don't know the next step right now or this relationship seems to be going under, or my my mental health is just not good right now, or man, I've got suicidal thoughts or whatever. Like no one's posting that. No one's letting the world know, but because we don't let the world know, we don't even let each other know. We're not honest with each other to say, hey man, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm going through. And the only way to endure with others is to be honest with them. To look around and go, okay, other people have gone through this. I can have hope. I can, I can see that they've made it through as well. But also, hey, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm struggling. This is what I'm dealing with right now. James says, if you want to endure in your faith, if you want to have a healthy faith, you've got to endure with others. The way to do that patiently through suffering is to look at other people and then to be honest with other people. Then he gives us the second step. He actually gave us the second step. Go back to verse 13. He says, anyone among you in trouble, let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. It's one of the most fascinating passages in scripture, in my opinion. James says, if you're in trouble, you need to pray. If you're going through great things, you need to praise God. And if you're sick, you need to call the elders of the church, have them anoint you with oil, and pray over you. That term sick in, in the Greek uh, means weak. So he's saying, if you're weak, he's not just saying, when we hear the word sick, we think, are you physically sick? Like, Ernest, you sound physically sick. You know, we're not, we, we think that way. But what James is actually saying here is, if you're weak, are you weak physically? Are you weak emotionally? Are you weak relationally? Are you weak spiritually? Are you weak mentally? If there's any area of your life that you feel weak right now, then you can identify with this passage. And I would say when we take this passage in context, my guess is that every person in here, every person watching online would go, man, there's at least one area where I feel weak. There's one area where I don't feel like I have it all together. Is one area where I need God to show up. And here's the beauty God promises to do it. In writing to the church in Corinth, Paul says that in your weakness, God's strength is made perfect, His power is made perfect. It's almost like God's going, Hey, when you're weak, that's when I can show off. That's when I can do what I want to do. But you have to admit when you're weak, you have to acknowledge when you're not all together. When you have a relational issue, when you have a mental issue, when you have a spiritual issue, when you have a sin issue, whatever it may be, when you're weak in an area, you have to go, hey, I'm weak. God, I need you to show up. And God's like, yeah, finally, now I can show up. Now you're inviting me in and I will show my power is made perfect in your weakness. And then it says, if and if you are sick, call the elders of the church and anoint them with oil and pray over them. What's the whole deal about this anointing oil thing? Well, I've got a vial of anointing oil right here. And anointing oil really is, is spices and flowers mixed together. That's really uh, what it is. This, this one's a little special, I think, a little bit extra special because it's uh, from Israel. Uh, one of our elders uh, let me use. I'm going to steal it later. Um, but it's uh, uh, it, all it is is flowers and, and some spices. Like there's nothing... Super special about anointing oil. So, why would God say do this? When you look in scripture, it's really fascinating. Like the first time that we see anointing used is when God creates the world and when he breathes life into the world, he anoints it. And so, what's happening there is like this there's the, a supernatural thing. Heaven is coming to earth. And then we see uh, uh, Jacob when he's in the wilderness. And he's exiled in the wilderness. He falls asleep on this rock. And he has this dream about God doing something powerful, something amazing. And the Bible tells us that when he wakes up, he anoints the rock. And he calls that place the house of God. Why? Because God met him in that moment. When the Israelites, they built a tabernacle. And it says that they anoint the tent. Because that's where the presence of God dwelled. The Israelites, whenever they had a a new priest or a new king, they would anoint that person with oil because that person represented the people to God. Every time anointing happens in scripture, we see the presence of God come to earth. We see the heavenlies touch the today. I mean, you look at Jesus. He is the anointed one. He's the cosmic king. He is the one who summarizes everything that is about anointing. And then the Bible says that when you and I accept Christ, now we're called anointed ones. Why? Because now we carry heaven on earth. There's nothing super special about this liquid that's in here. But what's special is that when you use it as anointing oil, what you're saying is, God, I need you to come here now. God, I need something supernatural to come right now. God, I, I need the heavenlies to come here on earth right now. As I pray over this person, as I anoint them with oil, God, I need what only you can do. I need you to show up. I need you to display your power. I need you to heal. And then look what it says, that if anyone among you is sick, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. That's a pretty strong statement. Now, when I read this, I I like to, like, for me, I'm I'm like a steps guy, like, okay, step one, step two, step three equals this. So for me, I read this and I'm like, okay, somebody says they're sick. They come up here. Hey, who's sick? Come on up here. All right, I'm going to anoint you with oil. I'm going to pray over you. Boom, you're healed. Is that what God's saying here? Yes and no. No. You see, there's been many times in my life where I've anointed people with oil. I've prayed over them and they weren't healed. You've probably experienced that same thing where you've prayed over somebody and you've you believed with everything. God, I know you can heal them. And healing didn't happen. Why is that? I don't know. I mean, ultimately it wasn't God's will and God sees the bigger picture. If I could see the bigger picture, then I would be God. And a God with no voice is no good, you know? I mean, like... Reality. I mean, if, if I could see the bigger picture, I'm God, and I'm a, I would be a terrible God. I've played that card a few times in my life already. I would be terrible. So, like, God can see everything, and God, uh, God understands why things happen, why things don't happen. And, and I don't even know, guys, if we'll know on the other side of glory. If, like, we get to heaven and God's like, well, let me tell you all the times where you prayed for something that didn't come true. I don't know if that's going to be the case. I doubt it. You look in scripture, and there's many times where where some of the most powerful people of faith prayed prayers and those prayers weren't answered. And what's God doing in that moment? Here's the principle that I've learned. I believe that if I pray in faith, God can heal. But if I don't pray in faith, I know that God won't heal. I just firmly believe that. That like, I can't expect God to move if I'm not standing in faith. I can't expect God to do something great, something supernatural. Like Every time in Scripture where God shows up it's people standing in faith, believing that God is going to do something, and they're praying, God, please show up, and they're moving. They're doing whatever God's calling them to do, and God shows up. So I believe if we want to see God show up, we can't just sit there. You can't just sit back and be like, ah, well, if it happens, it happens. It's just providence. No, God calls us to pray. God calls us to say, God, please show up. God, please do something. God, please do something supernatural, and I believe that you can, and I trust that you will at some point. And then there's this really fascinating line here where he says, if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. If they have sinned, they'll be forgiven. And So if you're sick and you call the elders and they anoint you with oil and they pray over you, if they've sinned, then they'll be forgiven. What is going on here? Well, I think it leads us to our third step that James is giving us to being to having this, this healthy faith, this, this growing faith. You've got to endure with one another. You've got to pray. And lastly, you've got to be accountable. You've got to be accountable. Look at verse 16. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you'll be what? Healed. Okay, there were like six of you that joined me in that one. Yeah, it's right there. It's right there. You guys can see it. Help me out with my voice. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. James says if you want to have a healthy faith, you've got to endure with others. You've got to pray. And you've got to be accountable. There's accountability in the family of God. If you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you've joined God's family. You've been grafted into God's family, and every family has accountability. Right? Like, you get this, right? I mean, like, my family understands that part of my responsibility is to hold them accountable. And part of their responsibility is to hold me accountable. Now I'll say this, it's a lot easier and more fun to hold somebody else accountable than for them to hold me accountable. Like it's like the worst when my wife or my kids have to be like, hey, the way that you said that, that wasn't very kind. Or hey, what you just did there, that wasn't good. Or like when my wife nudges me, you know, or she's trying to be really kind and she kicks my shin under the table. And I'm like, now my shin hurts and my heart hurts, you know? that's accountability. We need that. The only way that you and I become the man or the woman that God created us to be is through accountability. That's the only way. Like You you can't be who God created you to be on an island by yourself. As iron sharpens iron, the Bible says. As we sharpen one another, as we help one another, as we hold each other accountable, James says here that For accountability, there's two things. One, you confess your sins. So you take the first step, hey, I'm confessing my sins here. And then the second step is that person prays for you. And every time I've seen this played out in the family of God, that prayer isn't just a prayer, but there's usually a follow-up. It's usually like, hey, how are you doing with that thing? There's like some sort of accountability that happens with that relationship. Now, this is really hard. I mean, confession is not something that, that the big C church does really well right now. I mean, we'd rather just hold whatever it is and deal with it ourselves. If I go to God, God will forgive me. Yes. 1 John chapter 1, if you confess your sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We're told that in scripture. So yes, you confess your sins to God, you're forgiven. But then there's like this healing but God says, do you want this? He says, if you confess your sins to one another and you pray for one another, then you will be healed. That word healed in the Greek has two, two definitions, and both of those definitions are in play here. The first definition is to cure or to heal, like a physical healing or a physical cure. It's just what James was saying earlier. If any of you is sick, then come and pray. Be anointed with oil, and you'll be healed. So he's saying if you confess your sins, you'll be healed. That healing is not just a physical healing, but I've also seen it healing from things like addiction. One of the coolest things that, that I've seen time after time is when men or women come and they confess their addictions. Many times with, with things that I've done over the years in men's ministry and camps and stuff like that, many times it's, it's primarily guys coming and confessing their addiction to porn. When you confess that, man, that's not an easy thing to confess. Like that's, holy cow, the strength that that takes to say, this is where I'm at. But then you watch somebody pray over that person and provide them with accountability. And then you go back to that person three months, six months, a year, whatever. You're like, hey, man, how's that going? You're like, dude, I haven't haven't dealt with that since then. Why? Because God's word is real. If you confess your sins to one another and you pray for one another, you'll be healed. You'll be cured. You'll be healed of a sickness or an addiction. The other definition that James is using here is to make whole, to make whole. Who doesn't wanna be made whole? All of us long to be made whole. That literally means to be free from errors or sin, to bring about one's salvation. So now you're going back to that passage. If they've sinned, they will be forgiven. James is tying it all together. The confession is a part of our salvation. And when you and I first, we confess to God and God says, okay, I forgive you. I love you so much. I died on the cross for your sins. I forgive you. And then there's a confession to one another. Why? Because we're called to accountability. Say, hey, here's where I met. Here's what I'm dealing with. I don't want this anymore in my life. Will you pray for me?" And then you see this wholeness happen. So how do you grow in your faith? How do you have a healthy faith? Number one, you endure with one another. Some of you in here, you're, I mean, you're walking through something right now. You're going through some type of tragedy, some type of hardship. Maybe it's relationally, maybe it's a loss. Maybe it's mental health. I don't know, I could list so many different things. He tells you if you're, if you're going to endure with one another, you got to look at, you got to look at the prophets. Look at others. I mean, when you look in Scripture, every major thing that you and I go through, they've been through it. You're dealing with suicidal thoughts. Let me give you three prophets right now who also dealt with suicidal thoughts. You're dealing with depression. Let's look at Elijah. Elijah was used by God in some incredible ways. And then he's sitting there going, oh, God, I just want to die. I just want to give it all up. Some mental health challenges there. You've lost somebody. Look at David. David lost his infant. Man, I don't know what that's like. I can't fathom that. Like I can't fathom what David was feeling or what some of you are feeling right now. But what I do know is that you look at David's life and you go, man, later we're told he's a man after God's own heart. Like how did he get there with such loss? I think I might pull back from God, but how do I lean in like David did? I mean, there's so many issues that we go through when we look in scripture, like there it is. Or you look at others around you, others in the church, and you go, man, this, Ernest, who's dealt with this? And I'll pair you up with somebody, or you find somebody else, you're like, man, you've gone through this. Walk me through it. Give me some hope. Give me some life. Want a healthy faith? You've got to pray. You gotta be honest with where you are. you gotta take a step of, of, of faith and go, oh, God, I need you to show up. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna. In response time, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to give you the opportunity to, to put your faith into practice. So what we're going to do is I'm, when I get done praying in a moment, our elders are going to kind of spread out around the room. We're going to have 2 that They're kind of in the, the middle back there. We'll have four up here with their wives. They're going to have anointing oil. And we're just going to be like, hey, yo, let's just put God's word into practice. Like right now, in this moment. Like if you would say, man, I'm weak in an area of my life, and why not come forward? They're not gonna like douse your head with the oil, right? Like your hair will still look beautiful. He's gonna put it on you, though. They're gonna pray, and we're gonna say, God, may the heavens touch earth in this moment, in this place, right now. If you're watching online, we have people that will do the exact same thing, minus the oil. That'd be a little weird. But come forward. And look, here's the deal. Maybe it's just for one of you. Maybe just one of you will respond. I was blown away last service. And there were people praying throughout the entire response time. Even after we got done, there were still elders praying for people. Because I believe the needs in this room are so great. If you would be honest with yourself, there's probably an area of weakness. That you can go, you know what? I, I, could use, I could use the touch of God in this area of my life. So we're going to give you that opportunity to be bold and courageous and say, hey, here it is. And then if you want to have a healthy faith, a growing faith, you've got to be accountable. Will you be willing to confess your sins to one another, pray for one another? Maybe that will happen during this time as well. Maybe you'll, you'll go to one of the elders or you can go to the crosses or whatever. But that confession peace, trusting that God, he already knows. It's not going to surprise him. And he still loves you. Why not take him at his word? If I confess this and people pray for me, maybe I'll be healed. Like if you knew that was a possibility, why wouldn't you get up out of your seat? At least try. And who knows? Maybe God does some miracles today. Maybe we don't see anything. And that'd be okay with me because what I would see is a bunch of people stepping out in faith. At the end of the day, that's what matters. Whether or not God shows up in the way that we want him to or not doesn't matter to me. It's about how we show up to God and expect him to move. And I just believe as we do, we're going to see some some miraculous things. We're going to hear about some healings, some people getting addictions broken today. Whatever it may be, we're going to see God show up. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, and God, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the book of James and our opportunity to be able to study that together as a congregation and be able to look into what your word says and God, how challenging and convicting your word is. God, also how your word gives us such a promise. And Father, for those of us in here today that, man, we're just being real honest, we'd say, you know what, I've got a weakness. There's an area in my life where I'm struggling. Maybe it's with mental health. Maybe it's relationally. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's your physical health. Or maybe you're like, man, I'm, I'm good, but there's somebody else in your life that God's putting on your heart right now that he wants you to stand in the gap for. God, I pray that in this moment you would move. You would move mountains, Father. I pray, Father, that we would endure with patience, that we would look around and see others who have gone before us and take hope in their story, their journey. Father, that we would be willing to confess, that we would be willing to share, here's what's going on in my life. And Father, we would pray, we would step out in faith and trust that, God, you can do miracles, whether you choose to do them right now and in my way, I don't know. I really would love that but I'm going to trust you that you can do it, so I'm going to step out in faith and ask you to do it and put the results in your hands. And then, God, I pray that we would all be accountable. Father, this idea of confession is so difficult in our culture because we want to look so good to people. But I pray, Father, for us to get the wholeness, that healing that your word promises. Father, we would walk through confession and accountability with one another. So God, in this moment, show up. In this moment, God, do what only you can do, God. As we say, God, we are weak. We are weak. We need your strength. May your power be made perfect in this moment. And may heaven touch earth. In Jesus' name, amen.